Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fried War Gaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about game with hard math and chance. I'm Joe. And I'm John. And this week, we're coming to you with a topic that has me fired up. Uh, well, I guess not in, like, the, the angry, toxic player way, but in, like, genuinely disappointed. Um, we usually try to plan our topics ahead of time and kind of get them set up in a backlog. But there was something that happened in the community this week that we really kind of had to stop the presses and get an episode out for. Um, uh, for people out there who are in any Facebook group anywhere uh, regarding Age of Sigmar, you're probably seeing posts all over about uh, something called Curse City. And uh, John, I think you're in a couple of buy and sell groups like I am. Are you also seeing Curse City posts pop up there? Yeah, and you're even seeing Curse City debacles posts being shown in like the 40k circles too. Like it's it's kind of all over as another period of moment uh everyone's talking about. Uh for those who don't know, Curse City came out and everybody knew it was going to be relatively popular. We all kind of assumed it's going to sell very well. We didn't expect for it to sell out immediately like almost every release over the last like two or three years and so with a few ex exceptions so that's kind of what we want to talk about today like why was it popular why is it selling out why does this keep happening and how is this going to affect the game because yeah. it, it has now become a pattern it has now become a thing that this was a 200 hundred dollar board game with some models in it for one new faction and some some order models the marketing was pretty good for the game. It's got a pretty good premise. But not so much as to sell out of its entire stock in less than 10 minutes. Yeah, it's bonkers. Bonkers. But uh, before we get into that, let's uh, kind of warm ourselves up by talking about hobby progress in games played. Uh, John, you, have, did you do any hobby this week? Hobbying? Uh, I took out all the Skaven I have to fix. Oh, uh, well, like you I gotta to rebase them, base, right? You have to rebase them for AOS because they're old fantasy Isle of Blood Skaven. But yeah, uh, yeah I started working on that. Okay, uh, Vince Ventrella has a great video on basic Skaven if you're into it. I'll have to give a look. Um, and then other than that, I have I played some games with uh, Seth, who we, who was on for the Jukari episode. He's our editor. Uh, we're testing out some of the more spicier bits of Jukari, so I built some. Extra spicy list to test and table setup simulator with him. Um, and so he can like build lists better. And we're socially distanced still um, with him living in another state. So we've just been, you know, playing on there. And uh, I'll tell you what, Ravenwing versus Dark Eldar is like watching two biker gangs fist fight on a highway. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw the setup for that. And then it was like 2 a.m. and I had to go to bed. Um, how far did y'all get? Uh, we got to the end of turn one, and on both sides, and a lot of stuff is off the table. Um, Dark Angels have a really good punch, like shooting punch, with Ravenwing, and it kind of tore a lot of the Dark Angels, like the Dark Eldar stuff apart, but the Dark Eldar are now about to just come and live inside of me with all of their really great melee characters, and... I'm not sure I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling an angry gladiator lady is going to carve out a new home in your lower intestine. 
It's yeah. um, it's gonna be bad. And also, I think Dark Eldar is really good at getting themselves onto objectives and then forcing you to have to shoot the things that are going to kill you, and those might not necessarily be the things on the objectives. And yeah. So then you have to defend. Like you are now going to be playing on the back foot, as they are front loading most of their victories in the game. And so. Yeah, I it's think they come have down a, to a, a number of distraction carnifexes, as like Tyranid players call it. Just like threats in your face that you have to deal with, but you don't want to deal with. Yeah, and like the way Seth has specifically built this first list for testing out, it is... The whole army is kind of that. There's no one thing in the army that's like a linchpin that I really need to take care of. Um, that's easy to kind of... Not easy, but accessible. Like, yeah, I really want to kill the succubus, but I gotta get to the succubus. Like, there's a whole lot going on in the army that I have to just make decisions I don't really want to have to make. Which is kind of the way you play more spiky, competitive-like games. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I uh, When are y'all going to finish that game? Probably tonight. Okay. Probably tonight after recording. Well, we will bring an update to that one once y'all finish it. Um, for me, I haven't played anything since uh, our last Tabletop Simulator games, but I did have quite a bit of hobby progress. Um so, for those of you who've been following for a little while, been doing some work on the custodies, I'm making some Shadowkeeper custodies. And this week, I finally posted the progress onto Instagram. Um, I was a little nervous at first, because as often happens, uh, I painted up the custodies, and I looked at it and went, Oh, dear God, you're so bright. How are you so bright? And, uh, as I call them, they looked like Fisher Price toys, like baby's first genetic killing machine. Um, <laughs> you don't see that one next to the Tonka trucks too often. Um, but like it was all primary colors and no shading and it's just, uh, it didn't look right. My brain was screaming that they sucked and I should start over. Uh, but as we mentioned in sort of the newbie tips, uh, episode, that's, it's not often good to listen to that voice in your brain. So I sort of pushed on and, uh, I weathered them. With this super cool enamel weathering material from MIG. And uh, sprayed that stuff on there and it darkened them down so well. I mean, they went from like Fisher Price toys to actual murder machines in a span of about 20 minutes of airbrushing. And pretty happy with how they look. I might come back in and pull the weathering off of the like power spear tips just to like punch up the contrast there. But. Otherwise, I'm pretty happy with how they look. And also, John has talked me into trying, not necessarily starting, but trying a force that I have been interested in for a long time, but haven't wanted to pull the trigger on. Um, From the time I got into 40k, I've always been <clears throat> sort of interested in the orcs, because they're just such goofy fun. There's the boys you get. Ah, uh, they're so dumb, and they're just here to have a good time, and I relate to that deeply. I have no idea what's going on. I just want to have a laugh. Uh, however, the thing that has largely kept me from the army is, one, you have to paint a bajillion models with all sorts of little bits on them, and that's going to take forever. Two, the kits are old as sin. I mean, ancient. Get to like, that orc boy kit is, what, from the mid-90s? 
Uh, I think it's a little bit uh, newer than that, but not by much. Like, it's definitely 20-something years old or close to it. Like, it, I love, don't get me wrong. It's, it's an old quit. It's endearing that they're all, like, walking around twerking across the board. I get it. It's cool. But it's not for me. Um, however, I got a little more interested when they showed the new squig herders or squig snaggas. Uh, they're sort of like savage orcs. And I looked at it and went, oh, those guys look cool. They look really cool with, like, savage orc uh, boys sort of running beside them. And, well, I have a 3D printer now. And John mentioned, like, there's there's probably a print out there somewhere that you could try to print a unit of boys and see how they work. So, that's what I did after I worked on the Custodies. Uh, started running the 3D printer and supporting some of these files that I found online. Uh, printed them out, processed them, cured them, primed them. And uh, I I had one misprint. So, I have nine boys that I've been painting up trying out a, uh, a paint scheme. To try to make them a little more efficient. Hot oak summer. Hot <laughs> orc summer. <laughs> it's, there is a video on the Tiki Talk uh, if you want to see it. Um, but I, I think they're they're coming along nicely. Uh, I trying to find a way to make it as efficient as possible because as I've, as I've talked about here before, I hate painting a giant horde of dudes, which is criminally criminally misaligned with my love of horde armies <laughs> yeah th- th- like let's list off joe's armies goblins now orcs you've got some card tyranids <laughs> <laughs> would you like me to keep wounding you you want to start grave lords with all the skelly tan i know john shut up <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh no look at the consequences of mine own actions <laughs> well 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 if it isn't my consequences um yeah so in order to try to cut down on that i thought like okay let's try to like Truly make this as efficient of a paint scheme as possible. And, like, for Savage Orcs, they're mostly naked. I mean, they, like, they really just have, like, a loincloth and that's it. Which means 90% of the Orc is going to be done in flesh tones. So, uh, I'm trying out a scheme where I do a vast majority of the work with an airbrush to try to speed it up as much as humanly possible. Uh, starting from, like, a a bluish green tone that's kind of darker all over and then bringing it with sort of a a zenithal scheme of a slightly lighter green and then an even higher lighter zenithal with almost a white and then pick out some contrast colors with a little bit of flesh tone to sort of break up the monotony of the green and then hit them with a wash and uh test models so far look decent i think I don't think I haven't shared it to Instagram, but I've showed them to John. Um, I think it might need a little bit of tweaking, but I I might be onto something. Yeah, I think you might be onto something. They're they're very interesting. They've got like a yellowish tinge to them, which is nice. Yeah, they they were looking a little too green, but the wash kind of brings it down a little bit um, yeah. and blends it all together, which is nice. Um, I still don't know if I could paint ninety of them, but the new Orc Boy book might. Well, the new uh, Orc Boy book—that was a Freudian slip. That's a little accurate. Uh, the new Ooh. Orc book might not require a ninety boy minimum in every army, <laughs> so maybe it won't be so bad. Yeah, yeah, and and like if you look at the trailer for the new Savage Orcs, it looks like in the background there's a lots of bigger orcs. 
Mm-hmm. So there, there's always a possibility there could just be bigger orcs, like an elite orc thing, something bigger than knobs or like an alternative to knobs that you can run as troops. Who knows? I hope it's interesting because I think orcs deserve to have a better way of playing than just you have two options. You bring a lot of orcs or you bring a lot of grots. But either way, you're bringing 90 plus models to start the game with. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's brutal. So we'll see how it turns out. Um, I haven't committed to it yet, but Jod poked me enough that like I'm, I'm willing to give it a go. And with the advent of 3D printing, like it's not so expensive for me to just like print out 10 of these guys and, you know, throw some paint on them and see how they look. Um, once I get all of them sort of washed up, I will post it to Instagram to get some people's opinions. And, uh... You know, if people are into it, uh, I might push on and try to paint more of them. Or maybe John and I, John mentioned the idea of having like a, a paint party where like him and Corwin come over and uh, like the boys paint a bunch of work boys. Which yeah, sounds order pizza. Mid. We'll just open up a bottle of wine and a six pack, and we'll sit there and we'll paint orc boys while watching a bunch of kaiju movies or like oh I don't lord, know. yes. All of the Lord of the Rings movies back to back. Who knows? Like we could, we could have a time about it. Some sort of weekend, I tell you. It sounds great. We'll all end up crying together on a couch by the end of it. Like, like we'll only have painted thirty out of the ninety boys, but we also drank two bottles of wine and two six packs and ate like four pizzas and are just <laughs> crying. While in the background, we somehow switched it over to the Titanic, and we're just like, "You could have fit on the door." Like, <laughs> you should have tied your life jacket under the door to increase its buoyancy. You could have increased that specific gravity and stayed above the water. Why? Why didn't you think of that? Why, uh, public school system? Why have you failed us? Uh, we all know Jack didn't go to public school. Come on now. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's true. Curse you, education system, for not allowing him access. Could have saved no. him. That's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> Where we just talk about the Titanic? <laughs> uh, I don't know. There will only be like one listener out there who wants to listen to that episode, but they will love it. Yeah. It'll be for a very specific group of people. <laughs> yeah like okay but let's let's continue on to the topic yeah, at hand, so Joe. yes moving on to the actual topic at hand um so uh, this one kind of came up uh for a lot of people in the last week uh but it really rubbed me the wrong way because well i guess like it's not a hobby progress but i guess it's life progressed uh over the past weekend, my lady and I got married. <laughs> now, hey, yeah, officially on the show. Yes, it's on the show. Um, we've been together for almost ten years now, so like, I guess we're not living in sin anymore. So, uh, we like did the papers and signed the documents to be, I guess, legally married by the government. And um, I wanted to get her like a little gift to commemorate it. Like I know we're really just like doing paperwork at this point, but like I wanted to get her a little something to, uh, you know, act as a little gift. I feel like it's custom. Uh, so I wanted to get her the Curse City box because she loves sort of like anything dark gothic vampire. She's in like that is her flavor. Yeah. Always has been. And I I reached out to my store uh, like. Uh, more than two weeks before the pre-orders dropped 
and uh, let them know, hey, I'd like to order this. If you could put in a pre-order for me, I'd really appreciate it. More than happy to pay you whenever. And uh, my store owner is really good about it. So they could put together a list of the people who wanted to pre-order it, and they reached out to their contact again, early, before the deadline, of days before the deadline, to say, hey, here's the people at my store who want to order this. I'd like this many copies. Well, er, late last weekend, get a text from my store owner that their GW contact reached out to him and informed them they will be getting zero copies. None. Like, none of their pre-orders will be filled. They will get no extras to put on the shelves. Nothing that they requested will be coming in. And um, that kind of surprised me. Especially for, uh, you know, a product release like this that is just a board game. Yeah, so, like, it's kind of a start of another army, but, like, this isn't no, like, what's a... This is more like Blackstone Fortress than, than it is anything else. Yeah, this isn't Indominus. Like, yeah, it's it shouldn't be that big of a of a request. So it kind of surprised me. And of course, like now I, I can't get her that present like that's out the window. Um, and it was also something we were going to do together to like paint them up and play during quarantine together. Um, and it was really disappointing. And then I went to like the Facebook groups. And as I was scrolling through my feeds, you know, I'm in a couple of groups. The groups started to flood with people having the same story who either couldn't pre-order it, like they went to the website and tried to pre-order it, and it just immediately sold out, and they couldn't order it at all. Or they tried to order it through their local game stores, they usually did, and uh, the same experience. The game store is informed that they wouldn't be getting copies, or they'd only be getting, like, one box. And there are, of course, multiple people pre-ordering. That left a lot of people out in the cold. And I feel like the... That's a that's a pretty big feel bad. I I get it. I get it. But then people started scalping them, and everybody lost their mind. Ooh, buddy, it is Sodom yeah. and Gomorrah. There is a tower of salt currently well, forming in the comment sections. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything bad about the salt because I'm salty about it. I didn't even like I wanted to play Curse City. Um, I was kind of priced out at two hundred dollars. Like, personally, if I had the money, I would have bought it, but, you know, you know how it'd be. But to have something that's already, like, kind of an expensive product to now be being sold, like, piecemeal, that's the other thing, is if you wanted to buy this as a board game, good luck. Like, you're not going to be able to buy this as a whole board game, even if you want to pay scalper prices, unless you're willing to pay $400. Because there are people who are selling it piecemeal for the heroes and for the characters in there like for like 35 to 50 dollars a character yeah and so these these scalpers are making a ton of money off of it and you know that kind of leads us into another issue whereas gw's responses to this have been like trying to improve their website to reduce how many copies people can buy like only allowing so many to be purchased, but that can only go so far. So they started also implementing stuff within the actual rules of using these on the tabletop. Like the whole order, like Cities of Sigmar, like individual characters you can take as Cities of Sigmar characters, but the whole Gravelord section is all one force you have to take together at like 660 points instead of piecemeal. Because at that point, you know, so no one's going to be buying this box for Gravelords for the most part. 
Um, and then also scalpers wouldn't be able to sell, like, hey, look, it's a Gravelord start collecting kit on eBay. And that's just kind of sour that, like, there is an aspect that this could be now affecting the the rules on these releases, which is upsetting. Possibly. Uh, like, I, I know also, that's a bit of a stretch, but still, like, it think, would be not too far of a far of a stretch. I also think part of that came, comes back to, like, the fact that the Soul Blight Gravelord book is coming out soon, and this was probably written far before that book was here. So it was meant to be like a holdover, and I'm sure there will be updated points in the Soul Black Grave Lords for all that stuff. But like, I mean, yeah, <clears throat> I think I I get it. Like, I also don't want to like crap on anybody who's salty because I am similarly salty. <laughs> I I did the thing. I tried to pre-order. I tried to go through the store, and it is, in, like, I cannot do it. There's no way for me to acquire this thing. Yeah, without going to scalpers, and that's a shame. However, yeah. like I get why Curse City is popular because it is a board game that had good marketing and it does have some cool minis in it, and it's got a dark gothic theme which always fits my like that is the cut of my jib. I'm in. I mean, it's an incredibly popular item. Like, it's an, a popular aesthetic. It's a popular like concept. And I think there's lots of people interested, and people are still going to buy it as they continuously keep releasing more because it's not a limited release, but. It's the fact that on release, like, this feels like video games, like online video games releasing, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it does. So I think, I guess uh, where I'd ask next is, this isn't the first time we've seen this happen, right? Like, not at all. Like, we saw it with Indominus, and Indominus was a kind of special case because it was such a valuable box that people were buying two or three, not to scalp, but to just use. Just to have <laughs> like, them? Yeah. Packed yeah. full of models. And so, like, that was great. And, like, you saw it in the release of 8th edition, where, like, the Death Guard and, and like, first Primaris box, people were buying those up like hotcakes to use them and then selling the extra characters they had. Like, that wasn't that big of a deal then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Dark Vengeance, you saw a little bit of that, the back, the old 6th, 7th edition starter box. But it wasn't until, like, Sisters of Battle did it really become indicative of, like, a big, big issue. Oh, yeah, um, man. Because GW true. kind of broadcasts a month or two months ahead to everybody. Hey, this is going to be a big thing. This is going to be a massive thing that we're going to be releasing, and you want it. If this is something that you're into aesthetically, you want to buy this. You want to buy this so bad. I did it with Sisters for a year because everybody really wanted Plastic Sisters. We finally got Plastic Sisters, but they're still sold out. And that's not just because of, like, COVID supply chains. They've been sold out since they've been released before yeah. COVID. My buddy Mo, I was just talking to him yesterday about it. He's starting, well, he was starting Sisters of Battle, like, six months ago. And he's managed to put, like, to get his hands on some stuff. But there are still pieces in his army that he cannot buy unless he was willing to pay scalper prices. Yeah. And this far out from that release, that that's an indication that there is a problem. Um and to make matters worse, like, we normally don't talk a lot about the tournament scene or the competitive scene on this channel. Uh, but I'm going to say, when something becomes popular in the competitive circuit, and then people invariably talk about it online, everyone is buying it. Like, everyone buys all of it. And they'll resell it, too. Like, people will buy it with the explicit pur pur purpose of reselling it on eBay for more money. Because they could, they know 
tournament players will pay it so that they can meet the tournament with that thing. Mm-hmm. Like that is that is a problem. The reselling of products bought from GW and sold on like Facebook Marketplace and and buy and sell groups and like eBay has been getting so much worse as this game keeps growing. And it's only going to keep getting worse even after supply lines recover from like the Suez Canal and COVID. Like it's bad. Yeah, and I think also you touched on something that is compounding these issues. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, there are certainly things that are causing this, as you mentioned, sort of internally at Games Workshop with supply chain and being able to put stuff out. But, y'all, right now, we are still in a pandemic. And while these problems existed prior to COVID, COVID's existing only makes it worse. Much worse. It's... It causes these already constricting variables to be exponentially more impactful. Uh, and this is a slow, like, this is a slow production game. This isn't like a video game. Like, they can't just pump out a hot patch and be like, it's fixed. Like, it takes years for these things to get released. Like, editions take years to get announced and then created and playtested and then made and released. Models can take months to years not to mention production and moving it. So though GW has now had like a record year of sales and has a ton of money, they haven't been able to implement any of that money to an investment in their their game, like for the most part. So they're kind of running off of this bone, the structure of like a, a millions dollar company, hundreds of millions dollar company. And they're now a billions of like of dollars company and audience. And they're going, ah, because everybody stayed inside and decided now is the time to start my plastic crack addiction. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, it was a great time to start painting your plastic crack. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, I get it. I get it. But the demand being higher than it ever has been, plus supply being lower than it normally is, and distribution being slower than it ever has been, with difficulties in trucking and boats and planes and just getting it to stores, uh, means that releases are going to be borked for, well, a while. Um, and I think that's a shame. And now, normally, when we talk about the factors of something on this show, we have a, sort of a process that we like to do. We will break down what something is, and then we'll kind of talk about, you know, what has caused it to be the way that it is. And then normally, we move on to trying to talk about what we can do to improve it or what to do about it. But this ain't that kind of episode. Um, no. John and I have really kind of wrecked our brains on what we as a community can do to fix this supply issue. You know, what what we could have done differently so that we can all get a cursed city. And, uh, folks, we're coming up empty. I mean, in terms of what we can do to resolve this issue, only thing that we could do is not buy from the scalpers. And, like, make sure all of our friends don't buy from scalpers. Like, friends don't let friends buy from scalpers. Yeah, I mean, that... If we could lower the market for scalpers to sell to, hopefully, over time, if we're consistent, there will be less scalpers trying to sell that stuff. However, that doesn't fix uh, many of the other variables we were just talking about with supply. Or slow production lines. It, or COVID shipping. Like, 
us as individual consumers don't have a whole lot of options to fix those things. Even if we, and I would argue even saying like, make sure you or your friends don't buy from scalpers. That's a great step. And I certainly encourage you to do so. And I will be doing so, but there are still going to be people out there buying from these scalpers. So in this case, I don't think it, there's a whole lot we can talk about about what we could do, but I think what we can discuss instead is how we think this might affect the game as we go forward in the life cycle of both 40k, Age of Sigmar, and their like sort of subsequent box games and sort of gateway games. Yeah, so ultimately the way this is going to affect the game is that less people are going to play it. Like that that is the biggest note is that with with having supply issues not just with Curse City or like some of the old kill team boxes or like Indominus is that you have left players out in the cold that hadn't even started the game that are now not going to get into the game. Um, it's hard to suggest to a friend of mine that wants to play the game but does not yet have models to go and want to play this game if the ma vast majority of the models that they want to play in a faction like Sisters of Battle, they cannot just go out and buy. That is an issue. Right, that is the first issue, and it will stymie the growth of the game, because the the game has grown exponentially, but you can tell that it wants to continuously keep growing, and it's being held back by a lack of models. Yeah. And what happens with that is, if someone is desperate enough to still want to play the game, they will find a different way to do so, and that might sour them on wanting to support the actual plastic itself. From the oh yeah, um, I think you're right on the nose, John. Um, I think many people will look at the lack of supply and go, "Oh, like, well, I can't buy the models, so I guess I'll just go play something else." But there yep. will be a percentage of that group who go, "Oh, well, I can't buy the models, but I still want to play the game." Tabletop simulator, like, <laughs> like tabletop or like 3D printing or recasters, yeah. like. They, they might have find a way around if they can't go through. Yeah, like uh, as they say, hobbyists uh, find a way. But uh, <laughs> that's a yeah. terrible joke. I apologize. And but <laughs> I think it, like it will happen. P people will put up three D prints of the stuff that they can't have, but like people can't find, and they might put it up for free, or they might put it up for some money, and people will download that STL file, and they will just three D print whatever they need. Or they'll and, just print off proxies from, like, other stuff. Like, yeah. other lines. Like, or counts just, as proxies. Or they'll just go play a different game. Like, there are other games out there. There's Infinity. There, like, they, you can buy their models. Like, Malifo, there's You can buy the models. You can buy the models. Um, Kings of War. You can buy the models. Yeah. Like, there are, there are alternatives there. Uh, and I think also John hit on the head. Like, Tabletop Simulator. People will just play there. Like, these model shortages, they don't exist there. They yeah. don't exist. Yeah. And, and as we talked about on uh, last week's episode about Tabletop Simulator, the support there is only getting better and better, particularly during the quarantine. Yeah. yeah and sure. if it is more accessible than it ever has been before, and people are sort of pressured that direction, we cannot be surprised when people just go there like that's now their main way to play the game for some folks yeah and you know 
there's a, there's the other issue of COVID has put hard time, at least here in the States. I know that we got international listeners, and I'm sure you guys have a different perspective. Would love to hear about it below or in a DM yeah. or whatever. I'm genuinely curious how this has affected pl- like game stores and other places in the world. Yeah, but in the States, we do have a problem of, even before COVID, game stores were starting to die off because they are a niche. You know, bar- brick-and-mortar stores are dying in the U.S. anyways because of Amazon. And game stores are not, like, immune to that. Um, They have a little bit more of a dedicated fan base. But, like, if you're not in a major city, you don't have one anymore uh, for the most part. Because if they can't sell enough – and with COVID, they haven't had the Magic crowd in there every Friday to sell Magic cards. And so they've been relying on GW sales. And when these stores, these local game stores, can't even get, like, the main boxed games (laughs) to sell to their people – that looks bad on them. you know. There's lots of consumers who are going to look at trying to buy Car City, and they're going to blame their local store. They're not going to blame GW when they yeah. can't get it. Which is a shame, because like, luckily, I've been going to my store for a while. I know the owner. They're incredible. They're really dedicated. But there was nothing that they could do to get me this box. Yeah. And like for the other, I think, three or four people who wanted to pre-order it alongside me, Nothing that they could do for them either. And that means that at the end of the day, my store just lost a grand and pre-orders on this box alone. Not counting any other stuff. Like, that's $1,000 of lost revenue right there. Yeah. And if you, you have enough things like this happen that has been happening to stuff with GW products, you end up with some game stores losing out on just enough money that they're going to have to close down. And when you start losing stores, you start losing places to play for a lot of people. Not everyone who plays this hobby has a garage or a house or, like, a kitchen table they can play on. Like, some people have to be able to go to a store to play a game. Maybe they don't want to build terrain or they don't have the capability of building terrain. And they want to play on nicer terrain. That's why they go to their game store. Well, if those game stores aren't around anymore, they're going to be less likely to keep investing in the hobby. Because if you can't regularly play it, you're probably not going to want to do it. You'd probably put that money into something else, like playing more video games or buying more books or doing other stuff. Maybe you just become a Black Library-like fan. And that would be a shame for people who like playing this game. Yeah. And so, and so this is an issue. The shortage issue affects all aspects of the game, not just new releases. Yeah, totally agreed. And I hope our predictions are wrong. Like, in this instance, I really hope that we are incorrect. I... I do not want to see more people turn away from Games Workshop and go to 3D printing or Tabletop Simulator. And I especially don't want to see, you know, friendly local gaming stores getting their profit margins hit because, they, you know, people just can't buy boxes from them in the way they want to. That well, would be awful. In the efforts of fairness and also to bring kind of a positive spin on things, this also could wake up GW. It could, it could, like, they've already started investing in more facilities. Uh, as you can see, they've posted a bunch of, like, job uh, job openings on their website in the last couple of weeks. They are clearly wanting to invest in their own company and their own infrastructure and their supply lines more. This might, the, these series of events over the last, of course, year, all of their big releases kind of been trapped in the 
you can't fully release <laughs> uh, that has made them go, well, maybe we should be investing more money. Maybe we should invest more money in this than maybe uh, having a every two weeks we release a new thing. I mean, it would be nice if I could give them money to buy a box. That would be very cool. I'd love to be able to buy something from GW before I get excited about wanting to buy the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really want Bellacore, right? I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm desperate for that Bellacore model. I thirst for the Bellacore. Give me the Devil Daddy. But I can't be sure that I'm going to get it. Even if I have the cash in hand on pre-order day, and yeah. I hit that pre-order button the, day, the minute it comes up, schedule it like i'm trying to buy a video card or a video game console or hit a black friday sale there's still every possibility i'm just not going to get it and then i'm gonna have to wait months for it to be in stock God, to be able to it's so frustrating and not to mention that, like if i was a tournament player and for some reason bellicor becomes like apex predator daddy devil man like i am now limited in what i can bring to the tournament if i'm a chaos tournament player and that might be the new strategy, and I might now just be less interested in going to tournaments because I can't bring my boy. The big boy. The biggest boy. Yeah. So, like, it's a big problem. And uh, I hope GW does something about it because there is, like, we can't do anything as consumers. GW can do some things as the owning company. Yep. And, uh, and you know... They are getting bigger very quickly, so there's some growing pains. Oh, um, yeah. But I hope they get it figured out, because I would love to come back like a year from now and put up an episode entitled How GW Fixed the Supply Problem. Like, I, yeah, how, I how, would love to record that episode. Yeah, I'd love to be able to be recording episodes in three years where we're talking about how great GW has been and how, like, the... The pandemic was kind of a turning point for them, and, like, we've got GW, like, we've got Games Workshop... TV shows, like we've got an AOS new video game, we've got a 40k, you know, TV show, we've got books and box games and more video games for both of them, like GW's talking about wanting to do. I hope all of that comes true, and that it's actually all really good. Because uh, I love the universes they've built over the course of decades. Yeah, I'd love to be able to come back and explain how John got a Games Workshop tramp stamp, and that we are now Games Workshop shills professionally. Uh, no, 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 no. no. I'm not going to get a tramp stamp. I'll be a shill, but I, I, won't, I won't get a tramp stamp. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we draw the line, John. That's where we draw it. Might okay. get a chaos star. Might get a chaos star. Good to know. Get like one of those, uh, like uh, that super popular tattoo from like the early 2000s where everyone got like the sun around their belly button, but oh, instead yeah, yeah. do the, a chaos like, star. <laughs> yes. Oh, I hate it. And I love it at the same time. Oh, no, I um, hate it. It'd be great, though. <laughs> uh, but for folks out there, question time. I'm actually curious. Um, what do you think about these predictions? Or do you have others? Uh, or, even better, did you manage to get a hold of a Curse City? And if so, uh, how'd you do it? Please tell me. I have a kidney to sell for one. Let me know. <laughs> I, we always read the comments and reply to all of them. Uh, and I would love to hear on this topic in particular what you guys are thinking or how you managed to get yours. Uh, feel free to throw them in the comments. Reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram. We love hearing from y'all. Yeah. 
come bully us on Twitter or comment on our stuff on YouTube about how Joe uh, has a weird demeanor to him. I don't know. First off, I know this. Rude. I've been led to believe that the internet is a much meaner place than it's been to us. So, I, I don't know. Well, because we're gay hot, John. Obviously. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, that uh, that joke is a whole other episode topic. Yeah, it's an entire episode topic. Our uh, analytics is wild, y'all. <laughs> God. For now, that's been all of our opinions. Bonafide Kentucky Fried. We'll see y'all next time.